0: loved worshiping with you guys. I love the joy in the room. I love the devotion I see on your faces. The heart for Jesus that you obviously have. It's really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. It just does a soul good, right? To be in God's presence, right? Leads us into kingdom living. And I hope that your soul is more filled with that richness that we've been experiencing all weekend. And now here we are at Saturday night And you know what? Being in God's Word does a soul good, too. In fact, I believe it does a soul real, real good, all right? See, I don't know if you have caught on to this theme or not that's really running through all of the Sermon on the Mount, but there is an unmistakable connection between God's Word and God's kingdom. Have you seen it? It started right at the very beginning when the true followers of Jesus trekked up the mountain to hear the words of Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And then in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 5, where Jesus told them that he would keep his word. And he said, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. And then he told us how blessed we would be if we kept his word, right? Right. He told us that in verse 19 of chapter 5, when he said, Whoever keeps and teaches my word will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So it started right at the very beginning in that first chapter, and then throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, there's this emphasis upon Jesus' words and how important they are. I mean, remember he said over and over again, six times, he said, You've heard, but I say to you. He wanted them to hear what he had to say. And then when you get to the very end of The whole sermon, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them will be like a person who builds his house upon the rock. So the running theme all through it is draw near to his word, right? Take his word in. Keep his word. Act upon it. So you cannot say yes to the kingdom of God without saying yes to his word. They're absolutely connected. So tonight, that's where we're going to land, all right? Saying yes to his word. So I want us to look for a moment at the very last verse of chapter 7. At this point, Jesus has finished speaking. He's finished speaking. And, excuse me one second, let's switch me. Jesus has finished speaking. And then we find that Matthew writes, in verse 28 that once he finished speaking something happened and so i want rebecca simmons if you will share those verses with us in 28 and 29 the result was that when jesus had finished these words the multitudes were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes yep see this tells us the response of everyone on the mountain that day right What happened inside of them after they connected to the words of Jesus? And what was it? They were what? They were amazed. Why? Because Jesus' words had authority beyond anything else they had ever heard. We briefly mentioned this on Thursday night, but I want to track back to it for just a minute again tonight. See, really the bookends of these three chapters, at the beginning and the end, emphasize the authority of Jesus' words. In verse 1, when they were first listening to Jesus, it seemed like he would have authority. Because it tells us that he sat down when he began to teach. And that was what the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders did at that day. But when he was finished, it says they were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. In other words, they thought he would be like their scribes, but by the time they got to the end of the sermon, they realized he was way more than their scribes, right? What the scribes had to say didn't even compare to the authority that he spoke with. Now, I am not an expert by any means on the original language of Scripture. But I I have learned how to look deeper into the meanings of words in the original language. And I don't do that all the time. But there are times when I'm studying, when I'm meditating, when I'm looking at things, that the Holy Spirit will just nudge me to, to dig in a little deeper in those ways. And so I'll do that. And when I do, He usually shows me something pretty interesting or impacting. And that was the case here when the Holy Spirit nudged me to look more into the word amazed from verse 27, where it says, they were amazed at his teaching. And when I first looked, I didn't find anything really amazing, okay? I'll just tell you, all right? In fact, the definition of the word in context for verse 29 was amazed or astonished. So I was like, okay, nothing really new there. But then I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, no, keep looking, keep looking. So I dug into that a little bit more. And I was amazed at what I found. See, the original word that is translated in English to amaze is only used 13 times in Scripture. And every single time, that word is used in conjunction with being amazed or astonished at what Jesus said. His words. See, when the God of heaven visits earth, his words are amazing. And they deserve a response all their own. And what I think the Holy Spirit wanted me to see is that we don't even really have a word in the English language rich enough to describe what the people were sensing in the moments that they encountered the powerful words of Jesus. See, the word amazed in English is not a standalone kind of word, is it? I mean, we use it all the time, right? We use it often. But whatever was happening on the inside of people's minds and hearts that day when they connected to Jesus' words that day was something altogether unique. And it was described in scripture in a standalone kind of way because this word in the original language was only used to describe people's reaction to his words. It was a standalone kind of word. So for us, maybe the way we can grasp hold of what that means would be to think of the word amazed on like major steroids, okay? That would be more like it. All that to say, when Jesus spoke, His words were very powerful. They were authoritative beyond what these people had known. They were rich, they were full of life, and they left people wanting more. What about us? What about us? What is our response when we encounter the words of Jesus? Are we amazed? Are we beyond amazed, like amazed on steroids? (laughs) Has his voice had such an impact on us that we don't even have a word to describe what his word does on the inside of our souls? It makes me think about if you eat a yummy meal that's just really, really yummy, like so good. Or maybe a decadent dessert and it's just so, so good. And sometimes when you eat something like that, like you don't even have words, right? And you just put your hand on your chest like, hmm, hmm. Hmm, This is so good. Like, you just don't even, what? (laughs) Right, right, right. It's so good. So I would ask you, is that your response to the words of Jesus? Some of you know this about me. Some of you don't. But I had many years in my life where I was not amazed at the words of Jesus. Not at all. In fact, I would have described my response more to God's word as bored. I hate saying that but it is the absolute truth. My heart for the word of God was about this big. And it's a long story and I'm not gonna rewind all back into it tonight, but I'll just fast forward to the moment when I realized that's not okay. That's not okay. I was becoming more and more aware that too much was at stake. His word was really important and I knew it was and I needed to see that his word wasn't boring. But my heart had become so small. That was the problem. I was a Christian at this time. My husband was a pastor. I was leading in the church in some different ways. But my day-to-day response to God's word could probably have been described as a And something needed to change. And it was me that needed to change. But the problem was I had tried to change me. And I had no idea how to change me because anything I had tried did not work. All I remember doing in that season was finally getting to a point where I just cried out to the Lord from a great place of need, right? From a poverty in my spirit saying, Lord, help me love your word. And I prayed that prayer for quite a long time. And one day he answered. Why he picked the day that he did, I really don't know. But I woke up with such a deep desire in my heart to be in God's word. And I knew that was from God because I had not been able to manufacture that for myself. God had somehow taken me from annulling to amazement, like beyond amazement. In fact, I remember we had some friends who were missionaries, and they were home on um, furlough. And they they knew us well, and they had come over, and we had just stayed up late, late talking. We were sitting on the floor in our house, and, and Phil Hudson, he looked at me, and he said, Sharon, the way you're talking about the Bible is like you've never read it. And I said, exactly, right? Because I felt like I never had. It was alive to me like it never had been. And I couldn't explain it. I didn't even have a word to describe what was happening on the inside of me. It was just a, "Mm, mmm, what God is doing in my soul through his word. He was really, I know now, just enlarging my heart in a big way to see this treasure that I had held in my hands for so, so long and I didn't even realize it. And it was in that season that I started saying yes to His Word. Now, I don't know where all of you are at with His Word. I mean, I've had conversations with a lot of you and it's been such a joy to you know, get to know so many of you this weekend. And, and I hope as we're coming to the end of the weekend, that your response is amazement. And, and really even more than amazement, right? Like you don't have a word to describe what Jesus is doing on the inside of you because of his word, because it's just that rich. But I also know that based on my own story and being in this kind of ministry for over the last 16 years, that it's so easy for myself and people to give this intellectual or church or religious affirmation to God's word. But our day-to-day connection can really become so disengaged with the Word of God. We can literally be starving our spirits for spiritual food and reaching out over and over again to the world to fill us, right? And I would say to you, and I think Jesus would say to you, there's too much at stake for you to live like that, if that's the way it is, right? Because what we do with His Word is way too impacting. See, Jesus makes it very clear here in the Sermon on the Mount, That the way to experiencing his kingdom in its greatest of measures is through keeping his word, acting upon his word, right? Making it and doing it, being amazed at it. And doing anything otherwise at best is going to minimize our kingdom experience to its very least amount. And it even has the capacity to set us up for destruction, right? A house that falls, he said. So my prayer is that we absolutely are all amazed, not at my words, but his words, right? I pray your heart is just like singing out, yes, 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 God, I love your word, but I am not so naive as to think that some of us in this room might be at a different place like me all those years ago, or maybe even not to that degree, but certainly not yet to the point of amazed, right? And here's what I believe Jesus would say to all of us tonight. It is best, it's best to draw near to his words out of amazement. I mean, that's the best path, right? But even if you're not amazed, you still need to eat, right? You still need to eat. You still need to feed your spirit. See, if we never ate physical food, right? If, if we never explored the goodness of, of the food that we can eat physically, we would never discover all the really amazing food there is out there, right? I mean, we would never know about salted caramel or blackened salmon, right? Or cappuccino crunch ice cream. Those are some of my favorites. You could fill in your own in the blanks, right? But the tr- same thing is true with God's word. When we understand that the words of Jesus are like bread for our souls, then we'll understand you need to eat. You've got to feed yourself. And you will also understand the more I eat, There's so many things to discover. There's so many rich foods in this word. So I want to tell you a story to illustrate what I mean. And I'm going to start it like this. I am not somebody who really likes fast food. Like, I'm not a fast food girl. I I hardly ever eat it. And, And there are some fast food places that are on the, I will not ever eat at that place, okay? And Bojangles would be on that list, okay? Just saying, all right? You might like Bojangles, but. But so much so, Bojangles was on my list that it had become this running joke between my husband and I. He knew I wouldn't eat at Bojangles, and he really likes Bojangles, but I would not go there with him, okay? I would rather not eat, I would tell him, than eat at Bojangles, right? But if you're traveling on black roads for long periods of time in little towns, well, about all they have is Bojangles, right? So this summer, that's what happened to us, and I was starving I was starving so you know what I broke my rule and I ate at Changles. and you know what the french fries I ate were probably the most amazing fries I had ever had and my husband has not let me forget it for sure all right funny story but here's the point we need to eat you need to eat your spirit needs food just like your body right or it's going to become tired it's going to become lifeless. It's even going to become disease. So you have to eat something. Now, we all know with physical food, fast food is not an ideal diet to eat every day. If you do, you should talk. We should talk, all right? There is better stuff to eat, all right? But it is better than nothing. Like, it's better than starving. And you might even find some treasures there, like I did at Bojangles, all right? So, so let's think about this for spiritual food, all right? A fast food diet is not your best option. It's just not. Every day. Okay? Now by fast food, I mean things like a quick devotional read, a, a glance at your Bible app for the verse of the day, right? Those, those kind of things. That's fast food. And why are they not best? Because they're processed. Okay? They're processed food. They're not nutrient rich and your spirit needs more than that on a daily basis or if you're just getting that quick little verse on the bible app you know that's like you know grabbing a cracker on the way out the door and expecting it to sustain you you know for the whole day it's just it's not enough and it's not nutrient rich but there are some days when fast food is all you can get so it's better than nothing see ideal food spiritually is a nutrient-rich meal where you are eating the whole food of Scripture, like you and your Bible, right? I mean, we talk physically about eating whole food and how much better whole food versus processed food is for us. And several years ago when I was really transitioning into that more in my own life, um, one day I was out walking with the Lord. So much good happens when I'm walking and praying with the Lord. And just out of nowhere, he just spoke to me. He said, what if my people ate clean? And it just, like, it just really pierced my heart because we eat so much processed food in the church. We do. And, and if we eat that whole food, it's better for us. But there are days... Just like in real life, maybe you're on a back road and you can't find anything else other than bojangles, right? Or you know, you're just in such a hurry that day, you've got so many things on your plate, or some emergencies happened, or whatever, and you do have to do that fast food physically. And there are gonna be some days like that for us spiritually. They should-that should not be the norm, but it should, it it will happen sometime. So this year. I created a little Bible study tool to help on those kinds of days and I'm calling it a fast-food Bible study and we're going to use it tonight in just a few moments okay now honestly I'll tell you I kind of cringe at the title because I'm not a fast-food kind of girl and I don't want to promote that kind of eating spiritually every single day Um, however I do think it fits for what the tool is and there is a place for it on the days we need it because it would be better to eat something, right, than to not eat at all. But I do want you to know, once we give it to you, I'm not encouraging you to do this every day, alright? Just like I wouldn't encourage you to go through the drive-through every day either. But I know there are some days you have to. So we're going to use this tool tonight, and it can be like a tool for Bojangles on the Back Road kind of day. It could be that. or. I would really rather you think of it more like Chick-fil-A, okay? Because to me, Chick-fil-A is like, if I have to eat fast food, it's at the top of the list, right? It's at the top of the list. It's, it's like classy fast food, right? All right. So you can think of it how you want, but just know that's kind of the way I'm, I'm thinking of that. All right. So for the days you need it, for the seasons of your life where maybe you're just not super hungry spiritually, where maybe your yes isn't one of amazement, but you still need to eat. And hopefully eating something is gonna be better than nothing and it will draw you back for the richer meals and you will even find some things in doing that fast food that are really, really good, like the Bojangles french fries. So hopefully that all makes sense. But let me tell you more about this tool that I'm talking about. In just a moment, we're gonna put it in your hands And we're gonna give you time to work with that, so you can kind of practice through it, and then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna discuss, you know, what we found. And actually, um, what we have for you tonight is what we're gonna call a happy meal. Okay? So the ladies are gonna bring that into you right now, and your fast food tool is gonna be in your happy meal. So the ladies are bringing in those boxes for you. You get a happy meal. (laughs) You get a prize. There's prizes in there. <laughs> so, so let me tell you this. You can kind of listen as you're getting your box. Now, just like with a Happy Meal, there's a toy in there. But what do you tell your kids? You have to eat first. You have to eat first okay? So I want you to reach in there and get this out first and then close it up and set it to the side. Don't look at all the other things. We're going to eat first, ladies, Okay? So get out your tool. You can even just set your box under your chair if you want. That might give you some more room there. Okay. You can see on the side of the box we're calling this Saturday Night in a Box. Okay. And our whole night's experience is really included in that box, and we'll explain that more as we go. But the first part of our night tonight is this fast food Bible study tool. All right. And I'm going to talk you through how to use the tool. Alright, hopefully we're going to have a really good time tonight. So it's pretty simple, the tool is really pretty simple and especially for those of you girls who are more, you know, you, you are somebody who eats really nutrient rich food every day, you're going to go like this is really simple and that's exactly right. It's fast food, it's not going to take a long time. But, again, there is a place for it, just not something we would want to use every day. So, here's how you use the tool, okay? If you can, go ahead and get it out. So, what do you do when you first go into fast food? You've got to figure out what you're going to order, right? So, the very first thing you would have to do is pick, pick what you're going to order. Like, what are you going to eat from God's words? all right? And so, you would write those verses down. Now, tonight, we're going to do that using the Sermon on the Mount. You might want to pick... Some verses that we haven't touched on as much, or maybe some ones that you wanted to dig in a little bit more, that just really interest you, or whatever. Okay, so you can. I just would um, encourage you not to pick anything really long. All right, maybe two or three verses. Okay, so you don't have a whole lot of time to work with that. What do you do once you get your food? Hopefully, at a fast food restaurant. Even there, you take the time to pray, right? So you pray, and you ask God to bless this meal that you're about to eat. So you order, you get your verses, and then you pray, and then you eat. And the way you partake of the passage is by answering these five questions. What truth does God want me to know? How does God want me to think? What does God want me to do? How does this truth challenge me? How does this truth encourage me? All right? So what we're going to do is I'm going to... Um, talk you through a little bit with a passage um, and show you a couple things about using this tool and then what it would look like if you were able to dig in even further okay so let's go ahead we're gonna hear we're gonna touch on a section that we haven't looked at yet this weekend Mm -hmm. matthew 7 1 through 6 okay and we've got um three people who have those verses Angela, tell me, where, what does your verse start on? Three. Three? Where is Angela? Wait, okay, okay, because Audrey um, has a headache and she's downstairs. So I'm going to go ahead and do hers for her. And then, Angela, if you'll pick up after me. And then, Laura, yep, you'll pick up right after that to take us through verse six. Okay, so for Audrey's verses do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure you use, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of okay so if i was using this fast food tool i would choose those verses okay i'd order them i would pray and ask god to feed my spirit through this word and then i would start eating by looking at the passage with those questions so for instance what truth would god want me to know i shouldn't judge people right okay it's at the top of the list that i can be super critical and be really judgmental of other people and not even see the problems in my own self And that I should be really careful with holy things. So those are some things you might write down. So how does God want me to think? Well, he wants me to think with more mercy, right? That I shouldn't judge. He wants me to realize I have problems too. He wants me to realize his words are holy. What does God want me to do? Stop judging people, okay? Because this is just, if I was working my way through this tool, these are some things that answers I've come up with. He wants me to look at my own faults. He wants me to be careful with holy things. How does this truth challenge me? I might write down, well, it's hard for me not to be critical because I just see faults in people, right? I don't like to look at my shortcomings, and I have a hard time seeing them, so this is really challenging for me. Those might be some things I'd write down. And then how does it encourage me? It encourages me to be less critical, and it encourages me to give attention to my own faults. So simple (laughs) meal, okay? Always good to get our critical self in check, right? Because we all tend to be critical. To look in the mirror with humility. A lot to glean from there. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. But how many of us know there are some richer and deeper truths here in this word than what I just shared with you, okay? And if I only have a few minutes, I'm probably not going to have that much time to really look in that much deeper. I'm not going to have time to meditate and savor and chew on the words and pray over that word and all the other things that I would do if I was eating a more nutrient-rich meal, sitting down, really taking the time. So I want to take you back through this passage again as if I had done that, all right? See, as I personally meditated on this passage and took the time to partake of it, I saw some other things, too. And the main thing that I came away with from this section, that is quoted a lot, actually, even by people who don't even know God. I mean, they know this scripture. Don't judge, right? That's what they'll say. They know this passage. But really, this passage, I believe, is all about healthy relationships in the kingdom. In simplicity, it looks like it's just about judging And I'm not supposed to judge, and you're not supposed to judge, and let's not judge anyone. Look at my own faults. But it's really about so much more than that. Up until this point, Jesus has been speaking, up until this point in the sermon, he's been speaking to the people and to us about so many things, right? So many different attitudes and behaviors. And and he can see everybody that he's speaking to. He knows us through and through. And you know what he knows about us? He knows we are going to be quick to look at the faults of others and go, well, what Jesus said, you need to deal with that, right? You need to put that in your life and not even look at the faults in ourselves. So I believe he, he paused here to say, hey, pause for a moment, all right? Let me remind you there's only one judge, and I'm that judge, right? There's only one judge, and you need to use these words that I've been giving you In a way that's life-giving in the kingdom in relationships and pointing each other to this really good way of kingdom living see as you dig into this passage you find out both of the people have issues all right both people do one is a spec issue and one is a log issue but both of them are not good both of them are not good and both are issues that are going to be judged Issues that can cause harm, that can cause problems, destruction in a person's life. And obviously, Jesus has a whole lot of words to say about all these things that become issues to us. Often this passage is used to say we should never look at the faults of other people. Right? We, we, we shouldn't even be thinking about the faults of others. We should always only just look at our own self. But Jesus wants us to know that we have a role in encouraging each other, right? In 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 keeping his word. See, this passage is really about what we're gonna do with the truths for living that we've now been taught. And our response should not be judging, but it should be encouragement to one another to say yes. Verse five said, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you're gonna see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There is a speck and Jesus wants you to help your brother or let's say your sister to get it out of their eye. It's not that there's not anything wrong with them. There is something wrong. There's something bad going on. There's an issue, but it's a speck compared to your law. All right. But he's still expecting there to be this mutual exchange of helping one another to walk forward in these words that he's given them. There's an obvious acknowledgement. Something's wrong. You see the speck. And it's not that Jesus wants you to just ignore it and, and never say anything about it and just focus on what's wrong with you. He wants you to address it with a pure heart. He wants you to deal with your own self first. And he wants you then to help your sister get that speck out of her eye because you care about her. And you care about her place in the kingdom. And you care about her greatly experiencing the blessings of the kingdom. Not because you want to be able to have a reason, to justified reason to condemn her, right? It's a pure heart, a pure heart to your sister. But there's this mutual exchange of sharing the word and urging one another to say yes to the things of God. Jesus absolutely wants us to help one another get the specks and the logs out of our eyes. He does. But he knows our tendency would be to jump way ahead of that and just go to judging. So he says, deal with yourself first. And after meditating on that, I began to see this is not just about judging, right? And it's not that just simple, oh, never judge anybody. You shouldn't be able to judge me. God's word says don't judge, you know. Actually, we are to have a critical eye for one another. We're supposed to be spurring one another along, but in a place of humility and a pure heart and then you get into verse six and that would be one of those ones that like why is that even there it doesn't even seem to make sense it's like you just totally changed the subject there jesus and i had to really ask him about that for a while and talk to him about that but really what he's saying also is in that keeping of his word and Using it to get the speck and the logs out and those mutual mutually edifying pure hearted relationships We have to be careful to realize that the words that he's been given us are holy words They are sent from heaven and there are people who are not in you're gonna be in your life who are not at all interested in the sayings of Jesus And so you it's not a wise thing for me to if I see something in a sister You know, just somebody that I know, another female that I know to go to her who I know she doesn't even respect God. She doesn't respect the word of God. For me to try to use the word of God is like throwing, what does he say, um, something holy to dogs and pearls before swine. And what he's giving us wisdom, it's just going to backfire on you because there's no respect for the word of God. We keep this in the family, right? We keep these words and this this edification, this humility for one another in the family. It's not that you don't show love and care to people who don't know Jesus and don't respect his words. But using these holy things, it's not going to produce anything valuable because they don't respect it. And it will turn around and just backfire on you. You'll get trampled down by it. So he's telling us how to use these words. But if we just have a quick meal, we're probably not going to see all that. And so I wanted you to see the difference with just a passage of a quick, you know, fast food meal versus more time in that word. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. And hopefully that encourages us that, you know, we don't want to eat that fast food every day. But I do want you to use this fast food tonight.